welcome back. Thank you. Was I supposed to start? You just kind of looked at me. We, uh, well, I, out of the two of us, you're you're more uh, controlling. Like I, I know you. I like was going to go with con- soothing to listen to, but no, yeah. I was thinking controlling, power hmm. hungry. So I, so I assumed you were going to just take start control. us, but we didn't huh. really talk about it beforehand. Yeah. Well, I. I just was curious. I didn't, you know, know who was going to start it. And naturally, since you're the patriarch of this, uh, <laughs> of this podcast, let's just endeavor. end it now. Yeah, let's just end it now. Uh, what are we talking about today? It, we should say it's been a while. It, it has been Which a while. Which I do feel like increasingly we say that when we start the podcast. But it's we've been missing for the whole month of July. Either we're getting into a more manageable rhythm, or we're just slowly dying. It, or a combination of the two. Or, the, or, or yeah, either yeah. one of those. So, huh. But so we... We should have an episode today, though, for the one listener that's listening to this. If there's anybody that's left. Mm. Yeah. But we're, um, we're back and just as disorganized as... Ever. We always have been. And... But here's a topic for us. Okay. A, a trend... I, and maybe maybe it's not a trend, like not a trend in the sense that it's new, mm-hmm. but um, something that I do think is prevalent right now uh, within, um, and, and we're speaking within evangelicalism, um, but there is a, a tendency that evangelicals have <coughs> to build a particular theology or a particular worldview based on uh not 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 based on scripture or biblical imperatives per se mm. but based on a bad reaction to um a different theological stream or different worldview yeah have have you noticed that i think you could point yeah you could find that in a variety of Places. So you give a for instance, just to help you understand what it is that I'm saying. <clears throat> Which is, is that, always helpful. Yeah. Um, someone who would grow up in a legalistic church, okay, um, where the, um, and, and by legalistic we mean uh, saying thus saith the Lord, where it's not thus saith the Lord, uh, or... Um, Preaching kind of a workspace righteousness, right. you know, b- very moralistic, very um, um, you need to modify your behavior, modify your behavior, and and uh, over a long enough period, Christ, uh, they're Christless sermons, yeah. Right? And so, say an individual grew up in that particular environment, kind of a legalistic sort of church, and um, and they come out of that and they see the error in that, a. Another ditch, you know, say this person would overcorrects, and so in, instead of um, l- looking to the um, scriptures and seeing uh, what does the Bible say about God's law, and and perhaps looking in church history, what has the church, you know, how has the church read what the Bible says about God's law for you know the past? There could be this tendency to throw out anything that sniffs of. Legal, you know, you could you could take God's law, which God's law is not 
legal, you know, Correct. it's not legalism, but you could lump it in with um, kind of this legalistic um, baggage that you have, and you throw it out, and you become antinomian, right? You become an- anti-law, and so if you ever hear a sermon on uh, from a, a pastor, or if you're at a church that begins to preach on the law of God, which is a good thing to preach on, what you file that under is that's le- that's right. legalism, right. right? Or you know that person maybe becomes a pastor and and he uh, he plants a church that is um, you know that says we need to. Uh, unhitch from the old testament you know, we need to get rid of the old testament and it's just the new Testament. you know it's just the new testament so that that would be i would say a low-hanging example of building a particular theology and in, in um uh based on a reaction from a different theology you're yeah. you're you're you've observed a uh false teaching or a dangerous worldview or a dangerous dangerous teaching ministry, preaching ministry, and what you do in reaction is to, is you develop the polar opposite of that that is in just as much error as the one that you're pushing against, Um, I think another example of that could be in, or, you know, that's, what what are your thoughts? No, I agree with you. I think that's a good example. I think that we have a tendency to overcorrect. Um, I think another, and, and sometimes the overcorrection gets mixed with a zeal that is lacking perspective or lacking wisdom. So, for instance, and I'll use two examples on opposite extremes, right? And you and I were briefly talking about these a minute and ago. And it's why you mentioned patriarchy. It's why I mentioned patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, there are some Christians who grow up in uh, either good environments or strong male-led environments, and through a series of bad teaching, bad experiences, sometimes hurts, and sometimes being sinned against, they begin to say, well, that must mean male leadership is bad or abusive, therefore feminism is the answer. The opposite extreme, though, is those who see feminism coming, and they go to what we could potentially say are the extreme sides of patriarchy. Now, when I say extreme sides, if by patriarchy we mean male leadership within the home, male leadership within the church, you know, and and the goodness of that, as well as the goodness of, you know, woman submitting in the right ways to that, you know, completing in a sense the the picture of the home, all that. That's, that's wonderful. But extremes, good good patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. But the extreme side would be male dominance everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to be uh, a lumberjack throwing axes, you know, having a six pack, you got to be a Navy SEAL to really be a man kind of thing. And any, anything that at all smacks of uh, a potential affront to male leadership is deemed heresy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you almost in some sense walk away feeling like, are you preaching Christ and the gospel or are you making the gospel? Everyone needs to be more masculine. Yeah. Uh, And so both of those extremes I think are overreactions. Yeah when we see potential problems. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, you, we were briefly talking about kind of patriarchy and the abuses right before we recorded as a, as a good example. I, and I think it's because it's, a, it's, a, it's something I'm noticing presently. 
Can you give an example? Well, I mean, not I'm not looking for names, but like, what do you, you want mean? to name names? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, what, what do you mean when you say you notice? So, so I do too. Here, 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 here's one of the things that I, that I it 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 becomes a particular emphasis of a ministry, um, mm. and 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 so uh, so one painting a particular caricature of what manhood is that isn't grounded in scripture is can be very dangerous. I think can be very dangerous and very despairing for men and for women to hear. And so generally speaking, um, there are particular generalities. There's reasons that generalities exist because they're generally true. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's good. We, when we teach our boys about, um, uh, the difference between boys and girls, men and women, we lean into generalities. And yeah. as they grow older, I can fill fill out things a bit more for them. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and an example of that would be, and I was just talking about this with someone the other day, but uh, hey, boys have short hair, girls have long hair. You know, that doesn't mean that it's sinful for a boy to have long hair. Um, but generally speaking, that, that there's a it, noticeable difference. There's a noticeable difference, or you know, girls wear earrings, boys don't wear earrings. That doesn't mean that there aren't some boys that wear <laughs> that have earrings. And if I see a boy with earrings, I'm not assuming in my mind you're sinful or you're rebelling against. Although I, your, I am glad you've removed all your earrings, my all my piercings before when, we started recording. When we do our recording, <coughs> yeah, so I appreciate that. It was because I kept getting shocked by the microphone when I, mm. t- yeah, um, but. But we lean into generalities with Correct. our kids as they're young, right? Uh, I, I I think that painting from the pulpit this picture of a man is someone who uh, is the Navy SEAL type or who he's hunting on the weekends or he, I, like, particular pictures of things that I would say, yeah, th- generally speaking, this is a masculine thing. Like, there's not a lot of women that are doing this. This is more Correct. of a thing that men do. But does that mean that all men are obligated before God to do that? Absolutely not. And so we need to be careful that we're not communicating things like that in such a way that what our congregants hear are thus saith the Lord. Right. Right. And uh, and then our men begin to despair because they're not manly enough in areas in which they're not morally obli- obligated before God to be manly. Yeah. And our women are not despairing because they look at their husbands as puny and, uh, and, and not masculine. And yeah. yeah. And I think, um, I think an irony there is that sometimes this the stereotype or the caricature that some people point to are the extreme examples, right? So some of these movements where there's a, we need to, we need to form men. We mm-hmm. need to help men be men. Um, you know, some of the examples that can sometimes be used are extreme examples mm-hmm. and everyone gets passionate about those. But I want to say, you know, it would be masculine for you to sacrifice your time and, and spend more time disciplining and training your children. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that. That well, yeah. I, I, people do want to talk yeah, about that, but, some, yeah. but, but it's, it's the more extreme examples. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think there can even be an interesting irony there. 
I wonder if it's almost, it's easier for us to look at that goal and hide behind the pursuit of that goal when really the most masculine thing that I can do today is address conflict, is address conflict in my home yeah. or take the hits for my wife yeah. uh, in a particular situation um, or do the hard work of saying difficult things to uh, individuals that need yeah. to be said. Yeah. You know, those are, those can be masculine kind of things. Absolutely. And I think the, if you're over if, if you've overcorrected and you're kind of emphasizing again, this picture of masculinity that, yeah, some, some, there's some men that are like this and some men aren't, but that that's your focus and you're communicating in such a way that it seems obligatory for all men uh, or that becomes the dominant note in your ministry. You're known as the <laughs> biblical masculinity guy. Um, I, I think at the same time, what you're saying is it can obscure biblical imperatives for men you yeah. know, and biblical imperatives for women. Right? Right? I mean, f- falling on the, uh, the, the other side. And so, um, and so it, it really could become a matter of obedience or disobedience to God's word when, you know, it, it can be, yes, yeah, certainly um, there's something to say for uh, men to act like men. But when you begin to de- parse that out, what does it mean, biblically speaking, for a man to act like a man? Are, yeah. are, are you seeing any examples? And again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily <clears throat> saying we name names, but are you seeing any particular examples? So, so one, yeah. th- one, thing, one thing that concerns me is a subtle confusion of the law gospel distinction where we turn certain things that are good into things that are uh, required. Um, so there's a lot of good things in the world, um, but that doesn't mean they're all, I'm required to do all of them. Yes. So I get concerned when it sounds a little bit like a good thing or even a law is turned into the gospel. Yep. So that's an area of concern, and and it gets mixed into other kinds of movements, whether that be certain views of eschatology or the end times Mm -hmm. or certain approaches to culture, these kinds of things. But really, for me, the chief issue is a law-gospel distinction. Mm -hmm. But where are you saying that? I think that uh, in some of the same places that you're seeing it, that, that do have a certain eschatological bend, right? And we can say a more uh, post-millennial or theonomic. See, I was in my... In my you weren't going to say it. In my lack of, my of masculine. Yeah. Es- I, I didn't want to use the word post-mill because I didn't want to label you yeah. as... You know. but, but it is within that camp, this um, tendency I'm seeing to communicate good, true things as if they're all of first tier importance. There you go. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, uh, even the apostle Paul says, I delivered to you what was of first importance. And then he preaches the gospel to the church of Corinth. It seems to me that when we begin to build a ministry based on combating whatever the spirit of the age is versus you know, I'm preaching this week on Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, mm. right? It, and Jesus says the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against that confession and gets lost in the in translation as, as, as we're 
talking about whatever our passion project is at the moment or when we're speaking to whatever cultural thing is going. So it feels like a ministry based off of a reaction. Um, and, and that's a, that's a concern for me. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And I think, I think the, <coughs> the safeguard against that is to keep primary what the Bible says is primary, right? Yeah. Uh, of first importance to go back to what you were saying earlier and then to sift through the pages of scripture both law and gospel about any cultural issue so we are right to tell people hey there are two genders you should be feminine if you're a woman you should be masculine mm-hmm. if you're a man yep. there're going to be some cultural expressions to that that you need to have people recognize if you're living in a particular culture uh, and all the men wear kilts. That's not a skirt. That's a very masculine thing in Are you Scotland sure? in the 1600s. Are you sure? Right? Well, I'm told. Okay. Um, but in our country, most men don't wear kilts, right? Yeah. So there are going to be cultural differences, but there are biblical distinctions that we see, and it's those that we ought to emphasize. And when we're discipling men, particularly men who may be struggling with sexual issues or gender issues, it, we're right to say, hey, as the text says, you know, act like a man. But I think we go too far when we begin to say, now what we need to do is we need to make sure that all of the time we're constantly talking about manly kinds of things. Well, yeah, we do want to talk about what the scripture says about masculinity or femininity if it's a woman, but we also want to be talking about primary things like gospel like the third use of the law, the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. right? Meditation on Scripture. Yeah. Well, what do you think about, I mean, this This is, I, I know what you think about this. We'll talk about it for the, hopefully, some benefit to our one listener. But, <coughs> so, I certainly want to, we, we speak to what the biblical worldview has to say about any given, you know, yeah, uh, you know what, what, whatever, whatever the spirit of the age is, what is the biblical worldview? How do we process this through a biblical worldview? Right. What we're talking about is uh, kind of an a, a, an out of balance emphasis. Yeah. Right. That, you know, if if I kind of bottom lined it, if I'm beginning to, if if I'm connecting the dots on what it is that I'm really concerned about with that sort of of out-of-balance approach to biblical worldview ministries that are conducted by um, a lot of of pastors, what can end up happening is what we think builds the church isn't the, the regular gathering of God's people and the ordinary means of grace. It's this extra stuff that could can be good stuff to speak to, but the extra stuff becomes the main thing, and the main thing becomes the extra stuff. You're trying to get me to talk about Sabbath, yeah, aren't you? It becomes what well, becomes the tag on. <laughs> so let me give let me give you an, 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 another example as we're talking about this. <coughs> this podcast will be four hours because we haven't sat down and talked for a little while. But during during COVID, we grew as a church. And, and I know you, you, you guys grew as well. Um, some of our growth 
countless people that came to us that were grateful that we did not bind their conscience on uh, areas in which they were to have Christian liberty. Right. You know, we, we, we leaned into the doctrine of Christian liberty and we leaned into sphere sovereignty uh, in the midst of COVID. That's how we navigated COVID. And we had people that appreciated that even though they didn't know the theological underpinnings of why we were doing that, okay? So because of how we operated, some of these people came and they were expecting to hear things from the pulpit, Um, (coughs) maybe more of a political rally sort of thing, uh, really addressing whatever current cultural thing was going on on any given week, uh, you know, this expectation that I'm going to address it from the pulpit. And, um, and when that wasn't happening, eventually those, those people left, you know, they, they, they would, um, uh, chalk it down to, you know, the church needs to hear what the, you know, the biblical worldview on this issue or that issue or the, you know, this, and, and you're not giving that, you know, to them, the church is not giving that to them there. And that's what we want. And therefore we're leaving, right? Where I would want to say to that brother or that sister, um, God is growing us and maturing us and preserving us through the week in and week out ordinary means of grace. That's right. And, um, and you need to be content with God's means to grow you and preserve you and um, and that's not that I again both of us have spoken about cultural issues, mm-hmm. um, but we both preach norm normally um, books of the Bible and are kind of going verse verse by verse through books of the Bible, and so we can't impose or manipulate what we want that text to say. The text says what it says, and right. we preach it right, and so no matter what's going on. You know, this week I'm preaching in Mark chapter 8, and I'm preaching in Mark chapter 8 no matter what (laughs) happens. Right. No matter what, I'm preaching in Mark chapter 8. And and, and so if we get wrapped up and we we begin to um, want to have ministries and pastors or talking heads um, just speak to the spirit of the age. And again, I think there's a place to speak to those things. Um, but when that becomes this main focus, th- these primary things become neglected. Yeah. And we communicate to the members of our church that these aren't the primary things. Um, any thoughts on that? No, I, th- I think that's that's spot on. And I think some of that is... Again, the example you gave, uh, there was an infringement on liberty of conscience, mm-hmm. um, and so people were rightfully, you know, concerned, attending perhaps new churches or sometimes churches that would open, yeah, uh, and then an overcorrection, wanting that issue to be the main issue from yep. the pulpit or in discipleship classes or whatever it may be. Um, and so that's another example of overcorrection when the, the normal stream is a, a, just a steady diet of the word of Christ preached and the praying and singing of Christ's people and the Lord's Supper and baptism, and that you get a full diet as pastors, 
months and years in and years out are preaching through the passages of scripture. So there may be times to address certain issues, you know, a men's uh, retreat where we're talking about how to make wise decisions or how to be loving husbands. But if we're not careful, we may start to say, we're the church where the men are the men, or we're the church where feminism reigns. Mm -hmm. And, we're slowly losing what Paul says is of first importance, mm-hmm. Christ and him crucified. Um, and so I think, I guess the thrust of what we're trying to say is, is to be aware that it can be tempting to overcorre- uh, overcorrect or to not realize that we're overcorrecting and sort of want everyone to be talking about that issue. I don't know if you've ever kind of fallen into that in your own life, or certainly I'm sure you've seen people in the world or even in your own sphere of relationships that have fallen into this, where it becomes sort of a hobby horse, right? Yeah. The the yeah. new cultural issue or the new thing. And I just don't really see that with the apostles as they're spreading out after the ascension, mm-hmm. right? It's planting churches. And there was a lot of cultural word. things to address. There were a lot of cultural <laughs> things to address. The irony is... Paul and Peter and James and John just don't really seem to address many of them mm-hmm. as much or primarily as what they're doing is planting churches, training faithful men who will proclaim the word. Those people training faithful men who will proclaim the word. And that yeah. becomes the pattern, right? Isn't it a le- it, it takes a measure of humility, which we're not inclined toward anyways, right? Because you have to submit to God's timetable on growing you, right? In 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 some ways seeking to consistently address every cultural issue or having the expectation that the pastor or whoever is going to address every cultural situation in in some ways is is man I'm trying to short I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to circumvent God's method of growing people and and building a biblical worldview because a steady diet over a long period of time does develop a bil- biblical worldview yeah, that has I'm, very deep roots I mean I would say that it, <coughs> if we want to correct the growing trend of feminism and or weak men. The best way to do it would be for men to seek to marry a godly woman. If the Lord provides them children biologically or through adoption or foster care, to be training those children in the way of the word and going to a solid gospel-proclaiming church week in and week out. Taking, making the hard calls to train those young men, those sons, in the ways of God and encouraging them to see the importance of the preached word and the church. And for that generation of men to do the same thing with their next generation of sons, that's how we make sure that people, uh, men particularly, are the men who've God, whose God does, has designed them to be. Mm-hmm. Um and I think if we're not careful, we'll see, oh, there's transgenderism, there's uh, LGBTQ plus stuff. We've just got to go and be ultra, ultra uber men. we got to just do the most masculine things we can do. And sometimes I just want to say, hey, it's great for you to have all this discussion of masculine stuff out there on the Internet. Why aren't you walking with your son to church every week? Yeah. You know, now, again, I don't have anyone in mind when I say yeah. that. But, it's just, you, you know, there's that piece mm-hmm. of me that says that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I think overcorrection is something that we all are. I know I am susceptible to. And the overcorrection, as you mentioned earlier, is the easier target oftentimes yeah. than doing the slow, hard work. Yeah. Bringing your son to 
public worship, loving your life, loving your wife as Christ loves yeah. the church. Yeah, um, th- those are the harder, slower yeah. things to do, and yeah. are oftentimes the things that get ignored for um, the what could be good things but lesser things. Right, the opposite extreme. You know, the answer is not to tear down the patriarchy to make everything egalitarian to yeah. get rid of, you know, male uh, leadership in the home or in the church. That's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there are uh, abuses, the, the, exa- the, the answer is to correct those and to deal with those biblically and to, to find godly elders who will deal with those things biblically. But it's not to say, you know what, male leadership is bad, so let's throw it out the, the door just because there was this bad example. Yeah, right. Well, let's deal yeah. with the bad example, but we, we don't need to undermine what the truth of God's Word says. So in either extreme, we've got to avoid the overcorrection. Yeah. Because if we're not careful, we'll overcorrect so far that we're actually in error. Yeah. Yeah. So as the patriarch of this podcast, is there anything else you want to man pontificate? I don't know. I'll, I'll save any future rants for a later hmm. podcast. Well, it is good to be back hmm. with you. It's been a while. You're wearing a shirt from a Banner Conference Banner of Truth conference you and I went to. Yeah, yeah. You Polo th- shirt with a logo. You still think you fit it. Mm. 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 Well, back to talking about my attire. Well, hopefully we'll be back in a week or two with you, listener. and uh, Or a month. We'll go, do you know what the word attire means? It means clothing. Did I you thought know you that? said retire. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time, dear listener.